the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Welcome to the show, everyone. With a projected tough winter season with new variants of COVID-19 known as BA4 and BA5, we wanted to talk about the vascular complications that can be associated with the virus and strategies around minimizing the risk of blood clots. In its early days, COVID-19 was classified only as a respiratory illness with varying degrees of severity. But as healthcare professionals learned more over time, they started also considering it a vascular disease because of blood clots that led to serious complications, including death. In today's show, my co-host, Dr. John Phillips and I are joined by guest co-host, nurse practitioner Kay. Say hello, Kay. Hi, everyone. And cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. David Ali from Lafayette, Louisiana. Hey, Dr. Ali, welcome to the show. Welcome. Good to catch up with you, and uh, I'm interested in learning as much as I can contribute here today. Oh, fantastic. Welcome. Well, later... Later on in the show, we have also patient Scott and another patient, Carol, who um, are going to be sharing their stories with us as well. Scott almost lost his legs following vascular complications due to COVID-19. So that is a story you don't want to miss. So welcome, everyone. We're going to get to the topic of the day in the moment. But as always, the words of inspiration for the day. Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. You know, Kim, it gets me every time. We've done that twice now, and wow, it just um, it, it puts goosebumps on my arms. And it makes <laughs> or, you feel so special. It, it does. It's it's quite awesome. You don't get well, that kind of a VIP treatment in the cath lab, do you? I certainly do not. Uh, I'm lucky if um, you know my the gloves are put out for me. Uh, but anyway, so um, I can only imagine when you walk into the cath lab, the spectacular vascular <laughs> Doctor Phillips enters the room. Well, so it, just real quick, interestingly enough, like, you know, obviously we're wearing lead and uh, we have to put a gown on. And when I was a fellow, the tech would, uh, you know, take the gown, open it up and then put it on you. And so when I got my first job and my only job to date, I remember just kind of walking into the lab and I kind of stood there expecting the tech to put my gown on for me. And she looked at me and said, uh-uh, <laughs> I'm like, 
Okay, <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Uh, but any any rate, so um, appreciate appreciate the the shout out. Today's um, inspiration is I'm, I'm going from Kobe Bryant. You know, he died in that tragic helicopter crash in California a couple of years ago, and it is the start of the basketball season. So Kobe has has ten rules um, for inspiration. And I'm going to go through those real quick. And I think we can all apply these to everything that, you, you know, we do during the day and particularly to treating patients with chronic medical illnesses. So number one, get better every single day. Number two, prove them wrong. Number three, work on your weaknesses. Number four, execute from what you practiced. Number five, learn from greatness. Number six, learn from wins and losses. Number seven, practice mindfulness. Number eight, be ambitious. Number nine, believe in your team. And number 10, learn storytelling. So 10 wow. inspirational rules from the great Kobe Bryant. I want to ask Dr. David Ali, do you relate to any one of those or all of them? I'm going to relate, number one, to the last one he just said, storytelling. But, but because, uh, l- listen, whether you're, whether you're selling something, whether you're talking medicine, whether you're talking uh, relations, it's, it's great to have it on a, a one-to-one storytelling, if you know what I mean. I'm a, I like movies. I like things. So the story, and that's what we're going to talk about today, the, the story of what COVID means. So as those, I've read those before, Dr. Phillips, and, I'm, and when you asked me that number 10th one, I smiled. All right, good. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we found that link today. It's a pleasure. Uh, well, pleasure talk, meeting you, sir. About, and thanks for being on our show. Well, listen. Let, let's uh, talk about another story here. By chance, do you know my old friend, Dr. Gary Ansel? Uh, yes, he is. Uh, he's my former partner um, and retired two years ago. Yeah, he. He. Uh, you know, I learned from him quite a bit. And uh, to. The number five there on Kobe Bryant, learn from greatness. And, and uh, yeah. again, there's a lot of people that are out to help you, and, and you have to just capitalize on those opportunities. Well, only when Kim told me who you were did I realize that you were probably within his system. Now, now you likely do not know me, but I go back with Gary back into the 80s as a, a cardiac surgeon before there were any stents. And, you know, so when I came into this field as a, one of the, the cardiac surgeons and I still practice, I uh, got to know Gary in the late 80s, 90s, all the way up to the, the, some of the things where before Viva was started, he would come down to our practice. We would also do conferences together. I've been out of that a little bit for the last decade or so, but when you said uh, or when I understood where you were from, I'm smiling, and that's, I've got a lot of stories about Gary Ansel. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that, that could be that could be a show in and of itself. Yeah, he recruited me um, back in 2011. I had no intentions of staying in Ohio because I'm originally from um, Wisconsin, but uh, um, I got kind of roped in, and, and here I am. Well, I, again, I've got a smile on my face, I'm on, and I'm glad to be here because I hadn't thought of Gary in quite a long time. I'm sure he hadn't thought of me in, in a while, too. So you say hello to him when you get in touch with him. I understand he works with Mike Jaff now also. Indeed he does. Indeed he does, yes. Yeah. Uh, small world. Small world, my friend. How about that? Yeah. So, Kim. I love this. A little, a little doctor bonding on here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes it more fun. Uh, you know, hey, we should just talk about that. But um, we do have quite a busy season coming up with with COVID, the new variants. And so we have quite a few patients. Actually, Dr. Phillips, I think this is the largest studio audience we've had. <laughs> we have quite a few that are popping in and out here. 
We do. We're, uh, we're, we're catching some pretty good momentum, Kim. Pretty soon we may actually have to have a studio and thus an audience. <clears throat> yeah, well, not just virtual, right, anymore? Hmm, we got to get to that point. Maybe we'll start traveling. Um, but to the topic of the day, we're going to be getting to that in just a moment. So we're going to send it to break and we're going to come right back and we're going to talk to you about COVID-19, the upcoming variants to watch out for, and how to mitigate your risks for vascular complications. So stay with us. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Again, this is a live call-in show. Our number is one 367-5329. Today we are talking about COVID and its vascular complications. And we are pleased to have Dr. Ali all the way down in Louisiana, cardiothoracic surgeon, kind of helping us kick off the segment about vascular complications from COVID. And during the break, I was coughing a little bit and it reminded everyone that it is flu season. So again, the next couple months, folks are going to be getting sick. Obviously, COVID is probably going to rear its head a little bit more. We touched on some of the newer variants and, and we've as, as clinicians, we've all dealt with patients that have had vascular complications, presumably from COVID. So Dr. Ali, talk to us a little yeah. bit about the some of the known you know vascular complications of, of covid and and do we know if there's a true mechanism of action regarding covid and you know leading to potential blood clots whether it's arterial or venous well i i think we've we've got a lot still to learn about covid and what we have learned you know is is putting our knowledge of the the vascular system itself and then factoring in what COVID could do, let's just say as a, a single virus, okay? As I see the, the, the disease itself, there's, there's the first rage of this when we had all of the older patients who already had some degree of vascular disease. They had diabetes. Right. They were smokers, et cetera. And once it appears to me that the, the, the virus got in their system, then it's going to kick off several things. I think if you're asking me my thoughts on the mechanism of action, I would think, number one, that there was going to be some additional thickness of the blood, so to speak. And I'll say that, you know, in in, in a, a fashion, so hopefully the audience will understand whether it's an artery or a vein, 
I believe the introduction of COVID, the virus into the system, is just like a grain of sand, and that grain of sand causes problems. And the more grains of sand you have, the more problems. And the first thing, I think it does make the blood a little bit thicker. I think without question, it causes inflammation of those blood vessels, especially the small blood vessels. When inflammation occurs, you, you get spasm, you get injury to those small vessels. They continue to accumulate more and more and more. This will cause an environment in the small blood vessels that is prone to having both arterial clots or arterial thrombus versus a clot in a vein, but they both cause trouble. As the patient's blood pressure drops, as they're in the hospital, these patients developed this kind of environment in all of the blood vessels, and that includes the toes, the feet, the brain, the kidneys, the heart. And so that is how I look at a mechanism of action by knowing what we know from the blood vessels themselves and then the the what I'm thinking is the irritant that the COVID causes, and then there's the inflammation, the accumulation of, of the sludge material that we saw mostly in the lungs to begin with, but that same filling up of the lungs with that inflammatory process was also occurring in the small microcirculatory system within the body, and that's where the CNS stuff comes. That's where the loss of the toes and the digits, and I saw a lot of that originally. And I'll kind of slow down, though, because I've uh, at this point on this, because I haven't seen as much of it lately. And I think that we've got less viral loads in our patients. And now we're seeing maybe some of it tied to the vaccines. But then, as you say, if we have more COVID coming up, we can expect, I suspect, the same mechanisms of action of causing trouble. We've re- rebounded by hospitalization, a lot of those patients now we put on heparin and we use anticoagulants, and so we realize that. And so in short, that's how I see this disease process in the entire body, whether it be in the lungs, but specifically now how we deal with the small blood vessels. Yeah, and, and I think just to dovetail on that, there there is some speculation that it's kind of, you know, directly damages the myocytes or the, 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 the heart cells themselves and can cause a, a number of issues, you know, one of which is we get myocardial infarction, we get myocarditis or inflammation of the heart, uh, we get yeah. uh, electrical problems as well, the rhythm issues, uh, and then there's this whole notion of, we, you know, we call it the, the cytokine storm, and I think you had touched yeah. on that inflammatory response that just triggers this cascade and snowballing effect of of all the cells that are you know trying to help you, but ultimately they can sometimes damage uh, the larger organs. And you mentioned yeah, I, nurse, practi- nurse practitioner K ended up because Dr. Ali had mentioned vaccines as well. And although there isn't any sort of causal effect, some of them do have side effects listed as potential blood clots. And Kay actually experienced that and it was confirmed by her doctor. Yeah, I was given the AstraZeneca vaccination um, and I had two doses prior to a procedure to clear my aorta and my iliacs. And when they went to clear it, the aorta and the iliacs were completely occluded and it was by thrombus it was by clots blood clots um and he was able to get through it luckily and i was able to get stented um 
And now, because of what happened, AstraZeneca has now been taken off the market. Um, I don't think it's been publicly announced yet, but it, it has. And I was called into the hospital and I was supervised in the hospital for over an hour. And I received a new vaccine called Novavax. And Novavax does not cause blood clots. And they have done a two-year study on it, and they released it in the UK a fortnight ago. And I'm one of the first to get. Wow, that's amazing! Um, so that's so, something so, to look so forward you, to. You included, okay, you occluded your aorta and the iliac arteries. Is that correct? My aorta and iliac were about one. The right iliac was eighty-five percent occluded. My left. Iliac was about 95. My aorta was quite occluded and it actually caused an aneurysm with plaque. But then the gaps that were there occluded with thrombus. Okay, how old are you? I'm 58 now. And I had Did you have some year ago. risk factors? I, Did yes, you I have do. Did you disease or diabetes or any of that? That's an unusual presentation. And I think Dr. I, Phillips will probably have, agree. Yeah, I have lupus SLE, I have diabetes type 1, and I have mastocytosis. So I don't think you get much worse than that as far as inflammation is concerned. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Ali, you, you, you touched on this a little bit. We did see early on in the pandemic, May, June, August, whatever of 2020, more kind of, quote, vascular occlusions and, and, and yeah. I guess sequelae from COVID, I honestly, in the last year, I don't know that we have definitively attributed an occlusion, a vascular occlusion to the virus itself. I mean, there have been, in today's point, I think anecdotal reports of, uh, you know, post-vaccine vascular issues, uh, but those are very rare rare as well. Um, so I, I, to your point, maybe the viral loads are down and obviously we've got antibodies to them now and, and maybe we're just fighting this and it's just going to turn into a common cold i hope that would be the well as that's, as that's stated i've i've reasoned out because i did a, some other work that that kim is even aware of of some covid work that we've we've created a molecule that that is working against the covid and this is, would be to treat it but anyway my supposition was that each covid the virus is just like a single toxic piece of sand. And the more of it that you've got, the more of all of this injury and in, in things can occur. Now, most recently, we have not seen either much of the, the acute things that you're talking about. We saw a fair amount of people who had the acute larger vessel occlusions, but they had underlying disease. And, and, I'm, and it sounds like Kay may have had that. And even yes, if the virus was a, was a vaccine or was a live virus, I mean, I, you can use that same mechanism of action. And she thrombosed a, her aorta and iliacs, which probably had some disease anyway. It did, definitely. And we can come back to that straight after the break. Thank you, Doctor. years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. 
Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg. But that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not, because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Legsaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Just before the break, we were kind of discussing some of the vascular complications that ensue with COVID. And during the break, we were just kind of touching on the fact that most of the folks that have an, a vascular complication have some underlying precondition that that may cause, uh, you know, that whether it's uh, a dyslipidemia or problems with their blood, blood counts, um, history of blood clots, etc. And so, you know, Dr. Alley, we have a little bit of time left. What are your recommendations for for folks that may have some pre pre existing conditions? going into this new season, um, any testing that they should get done or conversations that they might want to have with their, their physician? Um, just let us, let, what are your thoughts? Well, I, uh, I can tell you that I, I, I'm the vaccines, uh, you know, in, in the boosters, I, I believe that these are important and, you know, anything that we can do that we've got some data that we can believe that we should follow as per the CDC for sure. Now, I, I lean towards a lot of anticoagulation in our patients because, you know, that is what I do as much as mostly limb salvage work. And so I'm, so I lean towards anybody ha- having any kind of risks to really consider, you know, to, seeing the physicians and talking about some of the newer anticoagulation regimens. Let's say if you have some PAD, the use of low dose Xarelto may be, uh, you know, something as you as you know the aspirin and Xarelto data looks like that that decreases, you know, our events after interventions and things like that. I'm wondering if it may not be a little uh, carry over to e- even extend that in somebody who has, let's say, stable PAD, but it would be at risk, you know, for uh, a vascular complication with COVID if they did see COVID. Now, I've got a handful of patients over a six-month period of time which came to me who did not have really significant uh, risks, and and, and we saw digital problems. And for a six-month period of time in our outpatient clinic, we were treating people with pretty normal vessels, low risks, but they did have disease that, that, that I was attributing to COVID, we even had a little protocol and we were going to the dorsalis pedis, you know, down, and I'm sure you were seeing some of that too. So 
so I, from the standpoint of what you can do to prevent that, you sure you want to not get the COVID. You want to treat it aggressively, work on your getting your viral count down. And I would lean towards good medical care as far as the anticoagulation, diabetes, never hurts to see your podiatrist. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you so much. I mean, I think that wraps it up really well. Um, in general, I would say if you have risks that for cardiovascular disease, vascular disease, talk to your physician. I still advocate for getting, for getting the vaccines. Dr. Ali, thank you so much for joining us. been a real pleasure. We're going to switch gears a little bit here, and it's time for the one and only Save My Piggies um, segment. And we want to welcome Scott to the show. Scott, thanks for joining us. It's my understanding you have had some COVID vascular complications. Is that, is that correct? That's true. I uh, uh, never knew I had any vascular issues at all. Uh, did contract COVID uh, late December. I had zero respiratory issues at all. But the end result was that I ended up having eight blood clots removed from my legs. Um, and at the time, it was attributed that uh, COVID was probably the main factor. Uh, I do have other risk factors. I am type 2 diabetic. Uh, I have high blood pressure and I have high cholesterol, but my high cholesterol, my overall cholesterol is good. It's my LDL and triglycerides that are high, but that's been attributed to genetics. Um, Scott, can I ask you a question? Um, Because I think it's important to differentiate to our listeners blood clots. We talk about blood clots in the veins which is simply known as a DVT, uh, deep right. venous thrombosis, or blood clot in the arteries. Were, were those clots in your arteries or in your veins? They were arterial. Okay, okay. So that's, again, that, uh, we don't, we, I haven't seen that uh, of late, but we were seeing some arterial uh, vascular occlusions early on. So go, go ahead, continue, please. So, um, yeah. You know, this was all at the height of COVID, December last year, right around Christmas. My wife was in the hospital with COPD, COVID-related, largely. And so we were apart, and I was telling her as I could, you know, because you weren't allowed to go into hospitals, how my leg was bothering me. She said, you know, you're diabetic and stuff. You need to go get checked out. You might have blood clots. By and large, she was right. And so they sent me from one hospital by ambulance to a larger hospital, and, uh, I arrived and within an hour and a half, I was in surgery. Um, They told me that uh, they would do everything they possibly could to save my leg, but there were no guarantees. Um, This uh, is really interesting because you literally went from, how symptomatic were you with your legs? Uh, Did you have discoloration? Were both of your legs cold? Was it just one leg? No, it was, both legs were a little bit cold. Um, my left leg more pronounced than the right, and it was uh, it was physically cold to the touch. I didn't feel the sensation inside my body that my leg was cold, but physically to the touch, it was cold. And I had slight discoloration, not a lot. And what what I found helped, and this should have been, you know, knowing what I know now, if I was to go get in a hot shower or hot bath, it felt better because the heat is a vasodilator. So it opens up your blood vessels. And uh, um, I should have known then, but I, I know now 
<laughs> but if I have I'm not symptoms. sure if that would have solved your problem at that point in just one simple shower. I mean, obviously, they took you no. into what's called the catheterization laboratory where they put you right. under an X-ray. They pumped in a little contrast fluid to get a better visualization of your arteries so they could right. take a look as to where these potential blockages are or what was causing the restricted blood flow to your feet that was causing right. your feet to be cold. So I went to a local hospital and, you know, they, they did the ultrasound with contrast. Um, they were not equipped to, to go deeper. And so they sent me to their sister hospital, much larger hospital. And uh, I was taken right into surgery. There was no if, and, or but about it. They had already had the information found out. I had uh, um, three blood clots in my calf on my right side and five in my left. So I ended up with um, uh, uh, fasciotomies. I had wound vacs on both legs, two on the left, one on the right. And vascular team kept coming in every day. Uh, I ended up spending 23 days in the hospital the first time, and it was seven days before they told me I would get to keep my leg. Wow. Well, I'm going to throw over to Dr. Uh, Phillips here to give a little bit of a grander explanation about what he's saying, because it, it sounds as though so they went in to try to uh, open up and get the blood flowing again, remove those blood clots. And during that process, there might have been some sort of spasming, something happened and um, there was some serious um, inflammation in there that led to yeah. the fasciotomy, mm -hmm. which I'm going to let you explain. Yeah, so the, the legs, the legs and the arms have compartments, uh, and and they're just kind of sections sectioned off based on uh, the muscles, and then kind of like the dividing lines between the muscles, and and those compartments are fixed spaces. And if and if a patient has had lack of blood flow to let's say the the leg below the knee, and you improve the blood flow, uh, there are a lot of inflammatory changes that can occur. Um, and if the muscle has started to die a little bit, or if there's a lot of inflammation, the muscle and the, the leg can start to swell and, and you can actually have, a, you're at risk for losing the leg uh, if those compartments, uh, you know, continue to grow because it's in a fixed space. So the fasciotomy is where they unfortunately have to make long incisions to kind of decompress the leg. So it is a, it's very, very much a limb saving um, you know, surgery. And so we're going to, this is a great, great uh, Save My Piggies episode. We're going to continue this conversation right after the break. So stay with us. Medical Notepad brought to you by The Way to My Heart in partnership with Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated's advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Hello, my name is John Phillips, and I'm here for this week's Medical Notepad. I want to spend a little bit of time discussing a subset of peripheral arterial disease known as critical limb ischemia, also CLI. These patients have such severe impaired blood load to the lower extremities that it can lead to ulceration and skin breakdown and ultimately amputation. Did you know that 220 million people worldwide have peripheral arterial disease and one in 20 over the age of 60 in the U.S. have peripheral arterial disease? So what do we do about it? Well, it's things like Way to My Heart, as well as the Save My Piggies campaign. We're trying to raise awareness for peripheral arterial disease. And we're trying to educate folks as to what are the, some of the symptoms and risk factors. So symptoms include achiness and heaviness in the legs when you walk that go away with rest. Risk factors include high blood pressure, diabetes, 
heart disease, as well as tobacco abuse. So if you're feeling any of these symptoms, meaning your legs hurt when you walk, or you've got a little discoloration on the toe that you're not sure what it is, please reach out to your primary care provider. Ask them to screen you for peripheral arterial disease. It's a matter of life and limb. And after all, we're here to save those piggies. Thank you. And this is John Phillips. Medical Notepad is brought to you by The Way to My Heart in partnership with Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated's advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Remember that the advice and views offered are for educational and informational purposes only. Do not act on any information provided here without the explicit consent of your own healthcare team. For more PAD education, go to standagainstamputation.com. And for real-time support, go to thewaytomyheart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our Save My Piggies segment, and we're joined by Scott, who uh, during the break, we were just kind of, I, I was actually asking Scott to wrap, help us get into his mind. You know, he went from walking and having, yes, some medical issues, but nothing that was life-threatening to now being in a hospital with uh, an attempt to get some better blood flow to both legs with these large incisions and, and uh, devices to kind of help with wounds. So, Scott, Take us into your mindset right now where you're basically potentially staring down the barrel of losing both of your legs in a really short period of time. And I know your cousin Carol helped you out as well and right. kind of bring us into her. So um, my I spent 23 days in the hospital first time. And when I got home, I went back for the first ultrasound three months later, found out that uh, everything had occluded again. Um, so right back in the hospital for another week and, uh, Carol had been trying to get me to, uh, uh, connect with the doctor she is seeing through the way to my heart. And, uh, I was hesitant. And then, uh, um, here in September, I had, I, I had another, uh, Rebid, uh I wanted to ask you when you were hesitant, because so many different um, patients who have the peripheral artery disease or those right. the restricted blood flow in the legs, no matter what the cause, whether it's calcium or blood clots that were attributed to COVID in your case, uh, what was going through your mind that you were hesitant to go out and get a second opinion? Because well, a lot of people struggle with that. Right. So in June, when I went back for another ultrasound, my, my ABI scores were very high. They were 97, 98%. And so I was hesitant. I didn't feel I needed a second opinion. But then come September, um, that all changed. I ended up having to have another uh, intervention. And uh, by and large, and I don't mean to throw people under the bus, I started asking questions. And I quite honestly lost confidence and trust in the doctor I was seeing. I went for a second opinion. My cousin Carol, bless her heart, connected me through the way to my heart with a new doctor. I had two procedures uh, with that doctor and I walked out of his office. Wow. And I have another uh, visit with them on Monday and I will tell you what, um, even though I may, you know, I'm my journey is just starting, but everything happens so quickly. And 
I will, you have to be your own advocate. And I just, what my questions weren't being answered. Now my questions are being answered. Are you glad Carol intervened on your behalf? You're doggone right I am. Carol, how do you feel? Oh, I'm very happy that he went to see them. You know, they opened up his natural artery. He no longer utilizes the bypass. That's wonderful. And, I mean, you've saved his legs by intervening on his behalf and going to Kim. Right. And so the first procedure I had with the new doctor I'm seeing, he opened up all my natural arteries, four main natural arteries on my left leg. My right leg, it seems to be pretty much okay. Um, There was some work to do on the lower part of my leg and my foot. He chose not to do it that day because he didn't want to overstress my body. So I went back four or five days later and he finished it up and restored my blood flow to all my toes, restored blood flow to all my natural arteries. So do you have, you don't have any ulcers or all the wounds healed? No, I never did. I have a little bit of discoloration uh, in my, my left big toe. Um, And I, sometimes it feels grittery, uh, gritty when I walk, but that's more because of uh, nerve damage that had been done at the onset of this. And so where I see in the group that, you know, a lot of people complain of uh, pain and claudication when they're, they're walking and stuff. Uh, I don't really ever experience pain. I'll get a little discomfort now and then if I'm inactive, if I'm walking and busy, zero pain at all. I can do two miles on a treadmill without blinking an eye. Wow. What did you? I'm curious. What did you do when you were in the hospital for 23 days? The, each day you're in, the, in a hospital bed, you lose a certain amount of muscle mass, and you know we see this in patients who come in who have rest pain or, or their limbs are threatened, and we do whatever we can to get them better blood flow, but they end up sitting in the hospital and then they're getting weaker. And you know we want them to walk once we improve their blood flow. Right. So, I mean, at what point did you say to yourself, okay, I got to get out. Of, I, I got to save my legs, save my piggies, get out of this hospital get motivated. I don't know if it was. I I took it upon myself, doctor. I, I, you know, they, they wanted me to stay pretty much bedridden, but I would slide the bedside table out of the way. I would lower the rail myself. I would flex my, my ankles. I would flex my feet. I would raise my leg. I would actually throw the pillows on my leg. So there was some sort of resistance and I would exercise myself. And then, you know, it's a, I'm very much an advocate for myself and, uh, in order to keep my limbs, in order to keep my life and enjoy my family and everything else, I will do the work. There's no problem with that. And it's interesting because, Carol, back in December when you first, he, he was in the hospital doing this, and you were calling me with the way to my heart. We'd provide advocacy for folks who have peripheral artery disease, this um, you know restricted blood flow in the legs. You were very frustrated because you couldn't get him to get a second opinion at that point. You were like, we need to get you out of here. We need to get you a second opinion. What was he saying to you in that moment when you were like, dude, you're going to lose your legs? Well, I didn't actually say he's going to lose his legs. I just said, you need to see these doctors. You're going to be amazed and you're, it's going to change your life completely. And it has. Right. But you wouldn't go at that point. You wouldn't go in December when you were in the thick of it, which was really surprising. Were you still in that mode where you're like, ah, I really want to trust my doctor. And I, you, you had to have some sort of fear of, I, of changing the course. I, I did. 
And, you know, because uh, I'm a type A personality, which means I'm hard headed, <laughs> to be honest. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, but where I'm at now, she absolutely saved my life. No doubt about it. Scott, I have to ask if if do you, do you send Carol a Christmas card already? And if not, do you send her one now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all. And that's I'm good. Very good. Well, we'll be able to be right back with the with more Save My Piggies in just a moment right here on the Heart of Innovation. Stay with us. One in five Americans suffer from a mental disorder like depression, which was once a rare condition just 50 years ago. Why are more Americans anxious and stressed? We'll take a deep dive on October 26th for the future of mental and behavioral health. I'm Bambi Francisco Royzen. Join me and healthcare innovators from UCSF to Meta, the owner of Facebook, to explore how COVID exacerbated the mental health crisis and whether new tech solutions are working from digital therapeutics, teletherapy, faith-based apps, VR, and psychedelics. Join the conversation or just listen in from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific time on October 26. Go to events.vator.tv to register. That's events.vator.tv. Back to the heart of innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. So, Kim, we're on our last segment here. It's amazing how time flies. I think we've had a, a, a pretty thoughtful and, and definitely an interesting discussion about COVID. And, and Scott um, shared a, a, a great story about uh, perseverance. And, and again, like we've always talked about, getting that second opinion. Kim, what do you? I mean, what do you think? What do you? What's your take home on COVID uh, these days? As as someone who's non medical, um, do you? Uh, um, are you worried? It, it does make me nervous. Uh, but you know, in terms of working with a lot of the folks that um, we help through the way to my heart, is we always encourage patients to talk to their doctor, have the discussion with them about mitigating their risk. Take, getting on an aspen regimen for my dad for example he is a heart disease patient uh, we worked with his doctor that during the height of covid that he would continue with his blood thinners to make sure um, that his blood was a little thinner and even if he did get covid it would mitigate his risk for any sort of clotting um, we also encourage patients who may not even know that they have some sort of vascular risk they might have an autoimmune condition they may not know of it's, they might have thicker blood and may not realize it we always suggest to go to the doctor and and check to see what your risk factors might be do you have higher ferritin levels or iron levels or do you have um, some other risk factor in your blood, pre-diabetes even, and um, at that point have that discussion as to whether or not you need to um, make sure that you have some sort of anticoagulant in your in your daily regimen. So that's really important. Yeah, and I'll just say that as as we move into this flu season and maybe COVID season, whatever, it's important. It's important for patients to continue, like you said, to see their physicians on a regular basis. Get your cancer screening. Don't be a hermit. I just saw a patient yesterday who um, he's he's got valve disease and he's had bypass in his heart. And he said, you know, I've been a hermit ever since COVID. And I and I said, Bill, you, you got to get out there and yeah. and live your life and exercise. And um, you know, it's great that you're eating better because you're not going out to eat as much. But you have to you have to live. I mean, you can't be 
uh, held hostage by any virus, in my opinion. And I'm wondering, yeah, nurse practitioner Kay. I stayed shielding for over two years, John, and I went out for the first time in two two years and two months, and I caught COVID. <laughs> Damn it, Kay! Yeah, what, good luck. Seriously, it had what to the be luck, Kay. right? And I have to imagine that Scott here might um, have some concerns, you know, having now his experience. Scott, what are you and your doctors working on to mitigate your risk for further vascular complications? What are the discussions? I'm on on both uh, Xeralto and Plavix because I can't do an aspirin regimen. Unfortunately for me, I am highly allergic to aspirin. Oh, wow. So so that's why I'm on both the Xeralto and the Plavix. Yeah. Wow. And thank you so much. Changing my diet, more of a little bit of a Mediterranean diet. Best one out. (laughs) Good for (laughs) you. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Scott, thank you for sharing your story. And Carol, for for bringing Scott to us and helping to get him on the right track. Dr. Phillips, um, for everyone else here, thank you for joining us. Make sure you have the discussion with your doctor about COVID and vascular complications. We'll see you next week on the Heart of Innovation Have a great weekend and week, everybody. Bye. Take care, everybody. Stay safe out there. to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.